0: Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 72. This is day 10, question 10 of my February challenge, which is me going through a series of questions from my break Up Word workbook that forced me to ask myself the difficult questions and go in directions and places that perhaps I've avoided or didn't even know to take myself. Again, the great thing about questions already laid out for you is that the blank canvas can be intimidating. You know, when you're in the midst of anything, it's hard to know where to start. So having questions will naturally guide you and help you zero in when, again, you didn't know where to begin. So it has been beneficial to me. There's been emotions that have come up, judgments of myself that have come up. But over and over, I see that something is working in the fact that I am attached less and less to the story the more and more I talk about it. And overall, my heart just feels more accepting and more gratitude. So thank you, Heartbreak, right? Every Sunday, I do a shout-out to the top 10 listeners this week, and I usually do that on Facebook, but I wanted to do it here because this week I got more listens than ever, and I feel really, really just... Honored touch, especially because I'm doing this challenge. And I felt like, oh God, what if everyone just checks out immediately? Like, no one wants to keep showing up for this. So I thank you so much for continuing to listen to Thank You Heartbreak, even though this month has brought something new to the podcast itself. So, the top 10 listeners from this week that I want to give an extra special thanks to is number one, Chicago. Two, Brooklyn. Three, Los Angeles. Four, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Five, New York City. I remember when New York wasn't even making the top 10 list. So thank you, New York. You've been showing up over and over again. I'm doing something a little bit better. The sixth one, I don't even know if I can pronounce. Ilminster, United Kingdom. It's always interesting to see where in the world people are listening. So thank you, I love seeing places that I don't even know about. Whedon, Illinois, Ottawa, Canada, Baltimore, Maryland, and number 10, Washington, DC. Another big thing is that I've seen from this is I realize that a lot of the places that come up are not places where I know people. So for example, like Miami, Florida doesn't come up a lot and that's where I'm from. So with that said, I kind of know, okay, so friends of mine aren't listening. And I remember telling someone this and they're like, that's terrible. I'm like, no, it's actually a great thing because I know that the podcast is reaching people that aren't my friends. It's so touching to see friends show up and cheer for me. I mean, last night, two friends showing up was big. I think that I'm always actually shocked. It's something that I've stopped expecting. So it really touches me when I see friends showing up and tuning in and all of that, that are paying attention, that not just know what I do, but are actually listening and absorbing it. But beyond that, you know, seeing that it's places where I don't know people is even bigger because it means that thank you heartbreak on its own is spreading and speaking for itself. Let's get into day 10. The date is February 10th, 2019. Today, I want to feel relaxed. I wonder if I've used that word before. What I have realized from these prompts in the very beginning, just even with today I want to feel, is that the feeling doesn't really correspond necessarily to anything about the breakup, anything about my relationship. It's not like I want to feel relieved of my ex. I want to feel less angry toward my situation. I want to feel healed. You know, it's the feelings that I'm shooting for each day, I realize aren't feelings that have to do with my relationship, which is a great reminder because it shows me that what I'm looking for is feelings toward my overall life, toward myself within my life. And this relationship is just a small part of me, even if it's the focus that I'm speaking on right now, what I'm really looking for is feelings that I want to have while I'm living through my days, as I'm walking myself through the world. So we forget that a lot of the times we think that if we had someone, we would feel a certain way. If we were on better terms with someone, we would feel a certain way and therefore be able to do a certain thing. What I realize is that when I talk about how I want to feel, it's really jumping over any drama or any unsolved business. And I'm really dropping down into my body and thinking about myself in this day And I think really that's the best way to look at it because ultimately, even in relationships, you are by yourself, even beside someone. What does that mean? I remember walking with boyfriends and being beside them and feeling completely unsettled, enraged inside, not knowing why they weren't talking, wanting them to be different, wanting me to be different, wanting me to feel like that this was the right thing to be in. Just I remember so many walks and so many horrible feelings that I had. And often we look at people that are walking next to each other or or holding hands and we think they've got it. They're like invincible. They life is just free flowing for them and all this stuff. And it's just, I think we forget how even next to someone, as they say, that doesn't mean that we feel any less alone, even in great situations when we're beside someone and we're totally in love, we are still just beside each other. But we are the only ones inside our body. And that feeling, those emotions that we have, changes everything. I refer back to when I first lived in New York City. I was living in an apartment building that was like overlooking this bar. And I would hear all these people every night flirting and bantering. And I just remember like people exchanging numbers and I hated them. Like I legit hated the sound of them and it was because I didn't feel like I could go there. I felt like I was on the other side of the wall looking down on the world, (laughs) literally looking down on them, and that I wanted to be included and I was at this point in my life that I felt so far removed from everything that instead of taking responsibility for that, I just hated everyone that wasn't me in that regard. Now, jump forward And all these years later, I live next to a club, like I am the wall next to one of the city's most well-known, most historical, most packed venues and clubs. And I had to sign my lease knowing that. Well, what's also interesting is that I knew how I was before New York having to be next to or like even be near a bar, but a club. And when I first moved back to New York City, I was just as socially removed as I was back then. And yet, I wanted the apartment. And I knew with that, that I had to accept what I was next to, and everything changed. I mean, I remember hearing people all the time, whether it was just people so stoked about going to this club or fighting and in arguments. And I used to just be happy for people, that they were standing in this long ass line and waiting to go in, and I was happy for people. Like, I found it amusing. It wasn't like environments had changed. It was almost like I was in the same environment. In fact, one that was just closer to the noise, but I myself had internally shifted. I had changed my relationship with myself and my relationship with my world. I didn't hate these people because I knew that if I wanted to, I could stand in that line and join them. I didn't hate these people for being loud and excited about something because there were things that I could be loud and excited about. And if I wasn't, I knew that that was on me. That was for me to recover. And so, just a little short segue about feelings, how the feelings that you have inside of your body change everything. Another little short little thing is that I remember feeling like when I was living in LA, no one approached me. No one approached me ever. I was unapproachable. It took me a second to realize, like, that is why I was unapproachable. Then, when I got out of my relationship, I moved back to New York City or it wasn't even, I hadn't even moved back yet. I was just looking at apartments, seeing if I wanted to come into uh, the school to go into this certain program I was interviewing there. And I remember going to like this hookah bar and it was the middle of the day and I sat down somewhere. This guy came up, asked to sit down next to me and about 15 minutes into talking to me, he asked if he could kiss me. This wasn't the first time since then, and it showed me how much my energy had changed. So many things like that started to happen, not just like kisses, broad daylight with random strangers, but it showed me like my energy changed. I suddenly seemed to open to people. It's not that it was like LA versus New York. It was me inside of those cities. Day 10's question is, it's long been believed that breakups bring out the worst in us, what are the worst aspects of yourself that have been triggered or you worry will be triggered because of this breakup? What side of yourself do not like others to witness? Hmm, what are the worst aspects of myself that have been triggered or I worry will be triggered because of this breakup? So I always say the only thing worse than a breakup is anticipating your breakup. So I think that worrying about what will be triggered is where so much of the overwhelm comes in. So, I mean, it could be this fear of being alone. I think that's the biggest thing, that there's just gonna be like this crazy amount of loneliness. It's a question that I've been getting a lot this week, actually, people assuming that I feel lonely, that I must feel lonely because I'm single. And it's so interesting hearing that question and that assumption, and I swear to God, I've gotten it so much this week, it's just a natural assumption, and people asking how I work through that. And it's shocking to me because I don't feel lonely. And I'm not saying this from this position of I'm never a lonely person. I used to be incredibly lonely. I used to fear loneliness. I'm pretty sure most of the writing I did, the title, had to do with something, loneliness. And yet that seems so far removed from me. And it's simply because I know how to be with myself. As cliched as that is, I was always avoiding it. Even when I lived alone, I didn't feel like I could be with myself. And you have to be able to like your own company. You have to be able to navigate your own life, to not wait for someone to do things with. You have to be a participant in your life and stop waiting for someone to participate in it with you. Initiate your life. So a big fear and worry I had that I thought would be triggered by my breakup was that I would feel absolutely devastated, absolutely alone. I would feel dead. I'd feel like there was no prospect of a future, that I would have no faith in myself. I would turn on myself. Another big thing is that I felt like um, a past breakup had shown me that When I didn't have someone, that is when my eating disorder started. And so for years, for 10 years, I thought that I had to be in relationships in order to protect me from this grisly vision of myself, this grisly version of myself, and that without a relationship, if I were to break up with someone, that I would have no self-respect and therefore would be able to turn on myself, that I needed someone to be near me and to be in love with me and just to even be able to acknowledge any changes in me in order for me not to turn on myself. And these were fears. These were things that I thought were going to happen if I was alone. The thing is, it was never the case. I mean, that's what's so crazy. That's not to say that there wasn't self-destructive behavior that I had after my breakup. That's not to say that there wasn't times of loneliness and all the emotions that I spoke about. But I think I was able to move through them so much more. I Honestly, as I talk about it, I mean, it's even hard to relate to all the fears that I had. I feel like all these fears came from... Not being able to have any faith in myself, I remember my sister saying that to me. I was still in this relationship of mine, and I was—I just got off the phone with him, and I was in tears. And she said to me, "If you had more faith in your ability to create your own future, you would have left him long ago." At the time, I had no idea what she was talking about. I—I I literally did not understand what that meant. If I had more faith. myself, if I had more faith in my ability to give myself a future, I would have left him a long time ago, I didn't understand it. And being in this cycle of panic of trying to rework a relationship to make it right, to make it worth it, to make all those tears worth it. If I ended up with him, it's like all that labor. If something comes of it with that person, you could say, oh, it was so worth it. I was always right about it. We just had to work through something. It's like I was so shackled in that cycle and I didn't know who I was outside of that cycle. So I stayed in that cycle because it's the only way I began to know how to operate. But coming out of that cycle many ways, is I operated just fine. I, I certainly operated far better than I did than within the relationship. So a lot of our anxieties are triggered, not because of the breakup, but because of the relationship we're in. And I think that we should remember that. Your anxieties are not triggered by the future because you don't know what your future is really going to give you. You're making assumptions based on what you feel now. And start making actions based on what you feel now. Don't just create more anxieties and more entrapment. What are the worst aspects of myself that have been triggered after a breakup? A positive that I've always, in a sense, had going for me is that I always looked for the meaningfulness. I always wanted to have a appreciative relationship with my past because especially as a writer, I was always using my past and putting it into work and never wanted to be that person that was shitting on everything in her life. I wanted to restore it. I always just had a tendency toward making something more meaningful, finding the meaning. So that was never triggered. But I think for a lot of people, that is a trigger. Like, I don't want to feel bitter. I don't want to become a bitter person. I don't want to lose faith and love. I don't want to feel like I'm unlovable. I don't want, uh, to not know what interests me. I don't want to seem clingy to my friends. I don't want to seem desperate. I don't want to seem directionless. Um, I don't want to become desperate for relationships. I don't want to, uh, start having sex with a lot of people in order to feel desired, but I just really feel like if I'm without a relationship, I will have to do those things. So those could be some things that people think are going to be triggered in them. For me, I think the worst aspect that I hate to see in myself is this really, uh, let's see, what's the opposite of proactive, wasteless, uh, time spent on others. I don't like that side. I don't like the fact that like, um, hmm, I guess the worst aspect is the comparison. It's so odd to go from feeling so confident in your relationship and never thinking about others. And this was not always the case in my relationships, but in a relationship where you're no, you're not thinking about others, you're not suspicious. And then you're out of this relationship and you're like very suspicious of them. I think that's the worst aspect. So you start to like doubt or you're wondering how they feel about you. Again, it's just like becoming clouded in self-doubt because you're no longer with them and worrying so much about how they feel about you, what they feel. Also, like any tendency toward jealousy, that would probably be um, a fear that I have the worst aspect of myself that could come up after a breakup. You know, I think that I at least like to pride myself and being in my own lane. So to me, it's, I guess, humiliating to be seen or shown as someone that is, uh, has her eyes on everyone else. That's not me. That's comparing myself to a new girlfriend or trying to, you know, just spending too much time on others and not myself and not just putting my shoulders back and realizing I'm my own thing. I think that's a worse aspect. I think also like, you know, just being catty, there's elements of this, you know, that Again, I like to shoot for meaningfulness, so if I feel like I'm just recycling the same story or not making headway, I feel like that's something that I don't want someone to see triggered in me. Yeah, like self-pity, I think those things. So I guess though, when I, as I say that, what side of myself do I not like others to witness? Ultimately, like a wounded side, a side that isn't empowered yet, a side that isn't entirely wise yet, a side that still has weaknesses, that has vulnerabilities, that isn't as enthused by herself, that, you know, looks into the lane of others and thinks about them, a part of myself that can still obsess about the other, a part of myself that uh, still lives, I suppose, in the past with the other. Uh, I think that I don't like others to think that I don't know how to help myself in these moments. I don't know how to heal myself in these moments. And so that's just me being really transparent about this process. And really when I think about what all I was just saying, what it really is, the side of myself I don't want others to witness is me not... Uh, looking and acting and behaving in a very strong, self-assured way, self-focused way even. So I have a new client in 10 minutes, so I'm going to have to wrap this up. And I want to wrap it up with a guest that I'm having on the podcast on Wednesday. That doesn't mean it's going to air on Wednesday, but I am recording with on Wednesday. And it's from the book, Love Hurts. You've heard me speak about him over this challenge Laudro Rinsler, I can't wait to hear how he actually says his name when we talk. It's from the chapter, If You Feel Betrayed. You and this person had a pact. Maybe it wasn't written out or even spoken, but it was there. You would grow old together, care for each other, support one another and lift each other up when the other felt down. And now look what that person did. They betrayed you, that jerk. Yes, it's okay to feel betrayed and think that this person is a jerk, I don't know them, but I know this feeling, and it's not pretty. I've got your back. I bet they did act like a jerk. Here's the thing. I've acted like a jerk before too. I bet you have as well. Even though you may not want to admit it right now, there's a chance that at some point in your life, you've done something similar to what this person did to you. Maybe you want to try this exercise I find helpful when I'm feeling betrayed. It's called Just Like Me. You begin by bringing the image of this person to mind. Just sit with it without judgment for 30 seconds. You can either make this a contemplative exercise or grab a journal and write it out instead. Either mentally or physically, list positive things that this person desires. Then add three magic words at the end. These three words are just like me. For example, Becca wants to be happy, just like me. Becca wants to feel desired, just like me. Becca longs for security, just like me. Hopefully, that will elicit some form of empathy for this person. Now move on to other areas that might be a little less easy to cop to. Becca lies at times, just like me. Becca was totally arrogant, just like me. Becca slept with someone she shouldn't have, just like me. Maybe you haven't been arrogant for weeks or slept with someone inappropriate in years. But if you have ever done these things, just own that fact for a moment. Sit with it. If you're like me, you've made your fair share of mistakes. In the instances where we lied or cheated or acted rude, we may have betrayed people we care about, and that either ended that relationship or they were merciful and forgave us. After a few minutes of contemplating various forms of ways that this person is just like you, drop the contemplation, raise your gaze toward the horizon, and rest your mind. Rest with whatever feelings have emerged. This doesn't negate the fact that this person betrayed you. You have every right to continue to feel however you might feel. But ideally, this exercise will help you move towards some form of understanding for this person. As the Zen master Thich Nhat Han once said, understanding is the other name of love. If you don't understand, you can't love. So this exercise was impactful because it made me think about elements where I feel like that pact was betrayed. And, like, you're not seeing who you were in a relationship with, the person that, like, had you, that had your back, the person you are in the pack with. This exercise helped me because it showed me that, you know, I've broken packs as well. And whether I felt justified or was really trying to protect myself, that's why I did it. And, you know, I think that I didn't realize perhaps the impact of what I chose until recently even. For instance, I remember an ex-boyfriend of mine writing me letters after I told him I could no longer talk to him. And he would send me text messages, could we speak on the phone? And I felt that he was pathetic, like just pick up the phone and call me. You know, forget the fact that you got rid of your international plan, make a long distance call and call me. Or why are you writing me a letter? It's all on your time you know, have a real conversation. And I was just like, I thought it was really that word pathetic of him. But now I look at him like, wow, I feel like he was probably being brave. Like that was a brave thing of him. And he never got mad at me and said, you know, he never like flew off the handle was like, why aren't you responding? You're so childish. He didn't do any of that. And I think about my silence, that I responded to nothing. Yes, I told him that I would no longer be reaching out, and essentially our relationship was over, but I was silent toward him. And so it's almost like, wow, (laughs) I think that has shown up in relationships afterwards, me having to deal with someone else's silence. And it's not to say that I wasn't justified in mine, but... I've had to experience the other end of it, even if it's for very different reasons. When I was ghosted for a bit of time, I had to deal with that element of silence and not being able to have answers or feeling like uh, I wasn't justified. Like, why isn't this person seeing me? And now feeling, you know, erased is like a silence or feeling like I'm not able to speak to someone. Someone doesn't want to speak with me. Well, That's how I was in a relationship where I just was so broken by it. So this exercise has helped me even thinking about, you know, Becca wants to feel desired just like me. My ex wants to feel desired just like I have. Okay, so maybe I'm not out being affectionate with other men. But when I think about past relationships, I mean, that's exactly what I was after, after other relationships, you know, I I needed to feel desired. I needed a kiss at some point. Like that was a big thing for me after being with someone that I felt like didn't just kiss me anymore. And so when I think about, okay, even further, why would someone have to feel desired? Because maybe they felt overlooked or rejected. Maybe they didn't feel like enough. So this exercise has just helped me see deeper beyond like even what just desire is like, How could I have contributed to my ex not feeling desirable that he would want to act sooner than maybe I am to feel desired? And then I think about you know, just because I'm not making the same decisions as him now, I've made very similar decisions in the past. And that's who I was in the past. It's the sort of relationship I was in with myself or wanted to be in with others in the past. You know, I've evolved for better or worse now. I'm in a different place now where I'm making different choices. So really, I'm judging my ex, but wouldn't I be judging a younger version of myself that made very similar decisions as he did to me, like I made those similar decisions as he has. So this has been helpful for me to see clearly. So I hope both of these exercises help you and give you something to kind of toy with and work your way through. The quote for today is from Marianne Williamson. Looking for Mr. Right leads to desperation because there is no Mr. Right. Right. There is no Mr. Right because there is no Mr. Wrong. There is whoever is in front of us in the perfect lessons to be learned from that person. Oh, I love this quote. I'm going to say it again. Looking for Mr. Right leads to desperation because there is no Mr. Right. There is no Mr. Right because there is no Mr. Wrong. There is whoever is in front of us in the perfect lessons to be learned from that person. A quote of mine that I remember got some attention from an article I once wrote was something along the lines of, instead of looking for the next man to love, look for the next man to learn from. Thank you once again for being with me here. On Tuesday, I'm coming up with another episode. Instead of having a one-hour interview that I'm putting up, I am going to put up another conversation that I had with an Uber driver. The quality is not great, working on that, but this man and his wisdom was just too valuable to pass up just because of the sound quality. So you'll be hearing from me tomorrow, and then you will hear that on Tuesday. And then after that, there is going to be an episode on Thursday with the Chief of Advice for eHarmony. So that is going to be a very, very special episode. Thank you for tuning in.